Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with Aaron Amico. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Aaron Amico is the president and CEO of the Chicago Academy of Sciences and is Peggy Nopart Nature Museum. Today, she'll speak about her unique journey, her organization's goals, and her advice to listeners. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker. And today on the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have the privilege of having Aaron Amico, who is president and CEO of the Chicago Academy of Science, Peggy Nobart Nature Museum. Welcome, Aaron. Welcome. Thank you. I am so honored to be here. What a privilege. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Aaron, I mean, you have a very interesting background. Uh, you are a Chicago native. But you've taken a path that very few people who are African-American have taken. So we want to talk about, you know, your science background, where you went to school. You went to some pretty good schools along the way. Uh, so let me start. Uh, when you were in high school, what did you want to grow up and be? So many, so many things in that question. I love it. Um, when I was in high school, I don't think I had any idea. When I, even going way back, when I was maybe in grammar school, I was really into Jane Goodall. And I wasn't a big reader at the time, but I read this book, Dr. Doolittle. And I was really into animals and speaking of the animals. So I wanted to be a zoologist when I was a really little kid. And then in high school, I really didn't know. And honestly, the same way through um, college, I just followed my heart. I followed my gut and I did what was interesting to me. So they always, you know, whenever I see people that have kind of this linear, perfect career path, that was not me. I've spent time in luxury goods. I spent time in working at Tiffany and company doing marketing. I've done projects with Aston Martin. I've worked with Oracle. I've been in marketing. I've been in the nonprofit sector. And the, the one person that that crazy career path kind of had to make sense to was myself. And for me, it was always that I like taking on big problems. I like brands. I liked um, growing kind of something with an existing base or interesting equity that just needed that like extra nudge. And if it's, a come, if it's an upcoming question, I can tell you where I see the connective point between the luxury goods market and nonprofit. But Absolutely. My career path has been all over. So were you a good student when you were in high school? I was a good student. So basically straight A student in high school, but I was not a good standardized test taker. So I would always like do horribly on like the SATs, the GMAT. I could not like do standardized tests. And I think did, it was- Did they ever discover why? Because I, I was kind of the same way, but no one ever told me why. I think I had a touch of dyslexia when I was younger. So I started, I'm a big believer in like tutors and things like that. Cause I always knew I was bright. I always knew I was smart. My grades reflected that. But I think it was probably um, a little bit of like some sort of uh, learning disability. And it was one of those times like back in the day that had a, a stigma against it. But I was like, no, it's like, I, I know I'm bright. I just probably had a touch of dyslexia. And then I 
now in modern age, you find out people like Albert Einstein were dyslexic and things like that. But I think personally, that's what it was. So what high school did you go to? I went to Latin School of Chicago right here uh, in the Windy City. And then you went on to, from Latin to? Then after Latin, I went to um, middle of nowhere, Vermont. So talk about being in, you know, talk about being in nature. So I was in the middle of nowhere in Vermont, the city girl um, out there with the cows. Um, and I knew I was in a remote place because the furthest, the closest McDonald's was like 40 minutes away. Wow. Yeah. And, that's cool. <laughs> and like following interest in what you love, I majored in international studies because I'm like, I want to, I like traveling. Um, and I did a year abroad in France. Um, loved that. And that kind of got a little bit of the bug, that travel bug in me. And, and did, is that where you picked up this, this brand luxury goods thing when you were in Europe? Yeah. So, all right, I'll, I'll tell that weird story and kind of go through the, <laughs> get through the path. Um, I think that's probably where it started. And the school I went to was really known for languages. Um, so the language I studied in college was French. And I remember talking to a professor and he was saying that when you know, learn a second language, you become yourself, but in that second language and that ability to sort of be me, but then have this like almost other identity was really, um, was really exciting. But after college, after France, moved back to Chicago, worked in advertising at this company called Leo Burnett, which at the time had just created the spinoff company called Starcom. So I was at Starcom's um, media company for a while. And then the 2008 recession happened where everybody's getting laid off left and right. And I'm like, oh gosh, like how do I, you know, recession proof myself. So I'm like, I want to go to grad school. But again, I'm not a standardized test taker. So when I did the GMAT wanting to go to business school to get my MBA, I applied to like a bunch of schools. My top choice was Kellogg. I was in marketing. I'm kind of on this marketing thing. I got into Kellogg by some miracle. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. But then at the same time, this uh, business school in the UK and the United Kingdom reached out to me and they said, you know, we really love the essay you wrote and we think you would be amazing for this business program. Fly over here, interview with our teachers because we want to give you a scholarship um, to come here. So I was like, okay, cool. I've never been to London. I'll go. I checked it. I'll, you know, check it out. So I went to London. I fell in love. Like I'm from the city, you know, skyscrapers, all that stuff. So walking on these, you know, walking around a place where you see buildings that are from like the 16th century where the kings and queens ran. I was like, this is my happy place. I love it. Um, long story short, I ended up, and this is why I'm a big believer in entrepreneurship and creativity. I ended up um, accepting their scholarship, which was a one-year program, doing one year at Cambridge University in the UK. And then I reached out to Kellogg and I said, hey, you guys accepted me into your two-year program. Your requirement for being in your one-year program is prior business knowledge. Well, I'm going to complete my MBA at Cambridge, so I'm going to have prior business knowledge um, transfer me into your one-year program. And they were like, okay, crazy girl. So on my resume, I end up having two back-to-back MBAs, which no, you know, nobody has, but it was an example of creating my own path. I looked at the numbers. I'm like, it's the same amount of time, same amount of money because they're giving me some scholarship and it's what will enrich my personal experience in the best way. 
So it's a very long answer. But when I was in when I was in Cambridge, I start, I fell into the luxury goods sector a little bit. Wow. So, you know, in a very short period of time, Aaron, you did a lot of reinventing. All right. A lot of evolution. How did you have sort of the confidence to do that? Or were you just like, as I would say, a free spirit? Yeah, um, def- definitely more the latter. I, the confidence thing is, is for me like a learned skill. And I was definitely one of those like fake it till you make it people. And in the first <laughs> moments when I would make the jump from like director to chief marketing officer and then now to president and CEO, like imposter syndrome is real. What helps me with that is I always focus on the fact that it, it's not about me. It's really about the mission and the work that I'm stewarding and, and bringing about. Um, but the other kind of guiding post that's been true for my whole life is I just, I go for it. Like if something scares me, I have to jump in with both feet. So that it's been that impulse that when I see an opportunity come by, I'll take the conversation, I'll apply for the job. If it's interesting and if it makes sense and if it's a, a fit for what I care about, I'm just going to say, you know, what have I got to lose? All they can say is no. And that's been kind of my my guiding push. Do you think that the foreign country experience gave you a little more, I can do this because I'm out here by myself on my own. I don't know these people at all. I don't know their culture at all, but what the heck? A hundred percent. It's I to to young people. I say like one of the best things you can do is spend time abroad. First, what that does is it opens your aperture. It kind of tells you that like you know what's the worst that can happen, and if you know you can always pick up and reinvent yourself and and go somewhere else. But having to, when I was at the Latin school, I had never um, I'd never really been out of the U.S. area. I went to China when I was fifteen with a school group. And that experience sort of like blew my mind. I was all of a sudden in a place where I can't read the signs. I can't speak the language. I had blonde hair at the time. Everybody's touching my hair, taking pictures. And I just said, whoa, there's like a huge world out there. And it it did. I think think it absolutely, it built that confidence. So now you're at the Chicago Academy of Science and Peggy Nobart Nature Museum. Tell me about that long title. Yeah. So I'm going to, one of the things, so I'm, I'm a, I'm a marketer through and through, and I applaud the team at the nature museum for hiring a marketer because I I think marketers, ex-marketers make the best CEOs. So what that means is I think in a brand way. So even when I look at the title, Chicago Academy of Science, it's, it's doing a lot. (laughs) It's really, it's busy and there's a lot, you know, packed in there. Um, we have work to do in telling our brand story. And I'll tell you what I fell in love with about the Nature Museum um, and why what I was so attracted to. The first is um, the nature, the Chicago Academy of Sciences has been around since like the 1800s. And they've been a group of scientists before it was like cool to be in science and naturalists collecting different species on this region and deepening our understanding. What I think, and then they created in the late 90s, the Nature Museum. So technically it's like the Chicago Academy of Sciences, this old historic um, organization is almost like the parent company. Um, We basically do three things that are are really important to me as a person. One is education. 
So we do more hands-on STEM education than any other museum in the city. That blew my mind. Um, education is really important to me as a person, particularly STEM education in underrepresented areas of the city. The other thing that I love that was just an interest I had zero experience in is the conservation work we do. Climate change, sustainability, all these topics are out there. And it feels like now's a moment to be talking about nature and to be connecting with nature. Like it's coming out of the pandemic where people were literally running out of cities for refuge for mental health. Like to be at an organization that's about nature and sustainability is so exciting. And then the other thing is I am kind of a whimsical person. I write children's books. I like fairies and unicorns and all that stuff. So we create these like wonderful experiences for kids. So science, education, nature, I love that, that that's kind of the work we do. And as I was looking at this opportunity, like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me in a nutshell. Like I would love to lead this institution. One question, did you have pets when you were growing up? I did have pets. Um, oh, that's such a long, so mainly cats. I'm a dog person though. And at one point we probably had like seven different animals. There, I, there was a time when we had a snake and my mom hated that. And the snake was like shedding. So this is kind of like my payback. Now I'm like at a nature museum where we have turtles and snakes and all this stuff. Um, so, so how did your mom let you guys have that many pets? Well, I mean, some were small, like little hamsters and fish that I'm counting as pets, but we all, we would always have a cat. And I'm, and even now, like, I love, I love animals. My husband's um, limited the number of animals I can have because we're in a condo, but he's like, no more. So uh, <clears throat> what is your exact job? What is, what is the purpose and mission of the Chicago Academy of Science, Peggy Nobart Nature Museum? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it enough that it becomes real smooth to me. Here. Yeah, and we, I just say, you're, you're braver than me. Like once I, I say it once, I'm just like nature museum. Um, we exist as an institution to create positive connections between people and nature. So my job is to help make this institution that's been around since the 1800s relevant for the modern age. We create exhibits and thinking about how we can create exhibits that are moving at the speed of culture, like stuff is changing, they're immersive exhibits, the world is changing, um, how our education program can be inclusive. And also we do a lot of like public forums, like opportunities where people can come and, and you know, speak and hear from us. And a little bit of a side note um, that I think is so important is starting to have conversations, especially around diversity and sustainability which is not a known conversation. Like when you look at the world of people, it's not the most diverse environment, the kind of people that are the, the poster children, if you will, kind of diversity and sustainability movements. But we know that the negative impacts of climate change most affect communities of color. And I think the solutions to address climate change is gonna come from communities of color. So we have public forums, exhibits and all of that. And my job is to, I think, guide and push the organization in a more modern direction, but also just, you know, keep the lights on, <laughs> making sure we're getting people through and getting visitors and pig, um, uh, pivoting back from COVID when so many museums were closed. So since you're a marketer at the core, what's your target demographic? Is it, is it youth? Is it young people? Is it Gen Z or millennials? What's your target? I love, I love that question. So our target today is like, this is where we, we are today, like status quo, families with young kids. 
if you ask kind of the average person on the street, they'll say, oh yeah, I, I would love to go there when my kids were little, when they were five years old. They loved the Butterfly Haven, it was great. What I want to do is make sure that we're relevant across all ages. So I want to work that we can reach young people, that kind of Gen Z um, millennial. I think there's this new generation of, you know, the 12 to 24 year old that cares about the climate, that's activated, that wants to do something. So I want to reach that group as well as I think there's an opportunity to bring in more corporations in the work that we're doing. We're sitting in Chicago. We have more Fortune 500 companies than everywhere. All of these companies now have to deal with new ESG, environmental sustainability, and I think government like regulations. How can we be a source of information for those corporations? So right now we're kind of little kids and families, but over the coming years, I want us to reach all of those different audiences. And, and how are you guys sort of communicating with diverse communities and helping them understand that point? Yeah, one of the, the best um, kits that we have in our tool of parts is this um, program called Chicago Conservation Corps. And what it is, it's a program that's in all 50 wards where we identify members of the community across Chicago. They come to the Nature Museum for eight weeks. We train them on sustainability 101 and like community activation. They then go back into their neighborhoods and create the program that's right for them. So that could be like in someone in Inglewood creating a garden for the homeless, um, someone in their school creating a recycling program. It assumes that like, we don't know the answers. The solution to fix Chicago is gonna come from the, the community. And my hope and vision with that is that it can be this massive kind of grassroots activation program across the city. And to date, we've trained over 800 leaders that have positively impacted over 150,000 members of the community. Because for every, it's like if you teach a man to fish, uh, or if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. So Aaron, you've had a real journey of diverse experiences, sort of like all over. Mm -hmm. Think back to when you were 16 years old, what is it that you know today that you wish you would have known at that particular point? Uh, I would say that fear is a waste of time and to trust in your light. So there's this quote I love from Nelson Mandela, I think it's from Nelson Mandela, and it's something like, it's not, the, it's not people's dark side that they fear, but it's their light. And if you're a spiritual person, like I, I, you know, believe in God and spiritual, there's something like you can never be as great as, you know, the God or that entity, but you have, but people limit themselves because they're it's like, who am I to shine so bright? Who am I to be this person? And the quote says something like, who am I not to be? Um, so it was that, it's a little bit of that confidence and that kind of bravery that I wish I had earlier. Even. Okay. We here at Waymaker believe that every successful person has had at least one Waymaker. Some of us have had many. Who were some of the Waymakers for you, Erin? Hands down, my family. So my, and specifically my mom and my dad. One of the things that they told me is they were like, you know, Erin, we're not going to leave you, you know, tons of money. We don't, we don't got, we're not rolling like that, but we're going to give you the best education that we can provide. And even the fact that I'm at a nature museum now, I think is a testament to my dad. He would always, you know, say, 
um, look to nature, everything's calm, everything's still. So my love and interest in nature came from him. And my, they were both first generation to college, had nothing, grew up in a time when um, they were the first African-American in their class, like way makers themselves in their own rights. And it was their example that created the path for me. So you are a female CEO, president CEO. As you know, it's not many of you guys out there. What advice would you give to professional women who are trying to climb the, the corporate ladder? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always that special little thing that can make a difference uh, that can change some course of someone's career. So what advice would you give to young women of color, especially who are on that path? I, I love that question. Um, network and find mentors. So one of the things I, um, I've described myself as being really scrappy. So I'm the person that will send that cold email on LinkedIn and just say, Hey, do you have five minutes to grab coffee? But in looking at so many female CEOs that I admire, like um, Brenda Darden Wilkinson, who's the CEO of Anita B, the largest women in technology conference, African-American, um, meeting with them, reaching out to them, getting their feedback. Um, uh, Chevy Humphrey, who's the CEO of Museum of Science and Industry and Black Museum CEO, like these are women I, I admire so much. And the 10 minutes of coffee with them, them telling me like, read this book or do this and those little tips, like I take that to heart. So build that network and, and reach out. Wow, great advice, great advice. So as you look forward to 2023, what's in store for you and what's in store for the Nature Museum? So for the Nature Museum, I'll start there. Um, we are building a sustainability center next fall. So going back to how do we, you know, reach more than just families, I think the launch of this sustainability center is going to be a big cornerstone that will house this Chicago conservation program that I talked about. I'm really excited about that. Um, so sustainability is going to be a big focus for us next year. For me personally, I think um, what will be important and one of the things I'm always being sensitive of is balance and making time to have um, family moments. So I've got my 10th, anniversary, 10th wedding anniversary coming up, hoping to spend some time in, in Germany. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the travel bug as we've established. So hopefully I've got some fun vacation in store. Wow, that's great. Well, Erin, this has been amazing. Uh, what you're doing is amazing. And your journey is a very, very special one. We're excited to uh, have this conversation with you and we look forward to learning more about the Nature Museum. So thank you very much uh, for being on the Waymaker Fireside Chat. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Aaron Amico. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know in our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to claim your Waymaker Journal at waymakerjournal.com. And be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.